From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, June 23rd. In 2021, the amount of deaths due to drug overdose climbed to an unprecedented new high in the U.S. Over 100,000 deaths in one year. That's the highest in our nation's history. People working in public health call it a crisis. And this crisis is not something far off or irrelevant in Moab. Zooming into our corner of the country, Southeast Utah leads our state in overdose-related deaths. I mean, yeah, you've seen an increase in overdoses. And I know the sheriff, I mean, the new sheriff. I mean, he's very, he's an advocate for trying to slow that down. And he, he takes it very seriously. Shan Hackwell, Grand County's jail commander. Fatal and non-fatal overdoses can happen to folks from all races, socioeconomic groups, privileges. That's because substance use occurs in all demographics. And it can be difficult to address a problem when the scope of it is so huge. But folks in public health are trying. And in Moab, they're now teaming up with law enforcement. That's because there's this one place. A place where there's a population of folks who might eventually be at risk of an overdose or struggling with substance use disorders. The jail. I mean, I would say probably high 90% of all the individuals that come in, you know, they may not have been arrested for a substance uh, crime, but they've used substance. So, yeah, it's pretty high. That tracks with data from the National Institute on Drug Abuse. They found 85% of the U.S. prison population either has a substance use disorder or was under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time of their crime. Here in Grand County, law enforcement say it can feel like they're seeing these same folks struggling with the same substance use related issues in and out of jail again and again and again. Jail Commander Hackwell. I, I tell everybody I have the best hotel in town um, because my guests always get out and they come right back. And it's sad, but it's true. I mean, it, you get tired of seeing the same people, and it, it's discouraging. Substance use and um, mental health is so generational in our community. Lynette Denton is a peer support specialist with the Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness, USARA for short. She's seen people released from incarceration in Grand County and... Or just going right back to the same the same situations, of course, it doesn't take long to fall right back into it. Into old habits. Denton describes this like a really long revolving door. Jail Commander Hackwell agrees. I enjoy running into people that have been here outside at the store and and they say, hi, how are you? And I like to see how they're doing. They always tell me, yeah, I've got a job. I'm doing well. I'm with my family. You know, and it's good to see. But it's also hard when you run into that individual and you see them doing well, and then a month later, they're back in your facility going through DTs again. DTs, delirium tremens, that's a severe form of alcohol withdrawal. We're seeing that firsthand, what they're going through every day. That's Holland Moore, sergeant at Grand County's jail. We have to start somewhere, and that's one of our goals is to try to help them. We have to start here, because if we don't do that, they're just going to continue that cycle outside of here. And that's why it's important to offer these individuals um, more tools to try and succeed on the outside. With this in mind, Grand County's jail is now ground zero for a big experiment. An experiment that has opened a pathway to a closer local partnership. 
are a lot of repeat situations where people are ending up in the jail. And I think there's this growing consensus or feeling that, you know, everyone who is able to be connected with recovery services rather than repeatedly going to jail is going to have a significantly better chance of eventually seeking treatment, right? Nara Bop is the grants administrator at Moab Regional Hospital. She works closely with their recovery center. Staff there are trying to reach people who want to get into recovery services, whether that's getting help with alcohol or drug use. Bop knows that Grand County's jail is small and has limited resources. They don't have much in the way of like therapeutic group programming. Um, and then they also don't talk very openly or consistently about overdoses and overdose prevention. So we found this awesome funding opportunity. The funding is a grant from the National Council for Mental Well-Being, supporting a one-year pilot project here in Moab. This project puts representatives from the Recovery Center and USARA in the jails weekly to lead those much-needed therapeutic groups. And it's helped fund a new release protocol. When people get released from the Grand County Jail, they now have the option to take a safety kit. The kit that we offer is a backpack, um, and in the backpack it has sort of a variety of sub-kits that are all harm reduction based. So we have um, an alcohol, a safer alcohol consumption kit, we have an overdose reversal kit, we have a wound care kit, there's also a safer sex kit. Our thinking was, well, these may not all necessarily be like appropriate for each and every person, chances are maybe someone in their life or their community could benefit. Staying safe while using substances It's part of a concept called harm reduction. The theory is people are using things like drugs and alcohol in a way that might be harmful to them. And while you might not be able to prevent them from doing that, you could help them stay safe. Here's Sergeant Moore. We're not going to be able to stop any of this. You know, I mean, people are going to be using. That's the unfortunate thing about, you know, drugs and alcohol. But That's the nice thing about this as well, is knowing that people are going to be out there using it still, we're trying to give them safe options to either help themselves or help somebody else. Since the pilot program started in March, the jail has given out 38 backpacks filled with harm reduction tools. And they're hearing they are being used in the community. The first few days and weeks after someone is released from jail can be a tricky time. Studies have shown that individuals released from incarceration are at significantly greater risk for overdose in the first two weeks following their release. That's compared to the greater population. And there's many reasons for that. Those include a decreased tolerance for substances, and people who have been incarcerated might also not be as familiar with potential dangers in the current drug supply, like fentanyl. For example, having a kit to test drugs for fentanyl could save someone's life. USARA's peer support specialists all have some experience with substance use. Denton says she can't even imagine what it would have been like to encounter harm reduction when she was still using. This approach, she says, may have helped her get into long-term recovery sooner. I just think that it would have, um, gosh, I just can't even imagine how loved that makes somebody feel, you know, and how accepted regardless. Because, you know, we're already pretty shameful when we're using ourselves. And the truth is not everybody's ready to get sober when everybody else wants them to. And so to be able to like sit with a person and just really meet them where they're at with like zero expectation brings in a different level of connection that I've never really seen before. 
Denton says harm reduction and recovery work, it's not just about keeping people safe while using substances. It's also about finding out what barriers there are in a person's life that might be keeping them from moving forward. And when it comes to people experiencing that revolving door of incarceration. Like, what are the reasons that that they keep coming in or what are some of the barriers to them moving forward when they come out? And these are things like mental health, physical health finances, employment, housing, transportation, like what are the barriers that keep getting in the way of these guys being able to like sustain concrete, like foundation kind of stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to bridge that gap and start instilling some hope. USARA and Moab Regional's Recovery Center want to create opportunities for long-term recovery. Representatives say these safety kits help, but so does just showing up in the jail every week for those therapeutic group sessions. The recovery center offers medication management, and USARA is about to start individual sessions this month. They say creating those opportunities for recovery is about putting in work and FaceTime from many different angles. And so far, in the few months the pilot program has been running, at least five people who were incarcerated in our local jail, have made their way into recovery services on the outside. Jail Commander Hackwell says that might not sound like a lot, but it's huge for them. It's been a really good partnership. I mean, you could offer to a thousand people. If one person shows up, that's that's something. That is a success. You're starting something. I hope it, it continues and I hope we build on it. The Recovery Center will share data and progress of this public safety partnership with the National Council for Mental Well-Being. That data could help that agency and others implement similar programming on a broader scale. But numbers aside, all parties agree that this project is already successful. That's because multiple agencies are now working together to address a community crisis. Here's Denton again. Together is the only way that it's gonna work. Like all of these pieces coming together, which I'm also happy to say has been such a huge improvement over the last few years. Um, Gosh, I just feel like if we keep going the way we've been going, our community can really start to heal and eventually maybe not have such a health crisis on our hands. For more on local, existing resources related to substance use, harm reduction, or long-term recovery, visit the show notes of today's news. And now the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. A proposed change at the Bureau of Land Management would enable the agency to classify certain land for conservation as a, quote, use of public lands. Emily Arnson spoke with Sophia Fisher of The Times Independent about how this change could help Moab's economy which relies on preserving the natural beauty of the area for tourism. Yeah, our biggest uh, story this week is about a proposed Bureau of Land Management rule that would put conservation on equal footing with other uses within the agency's uh, multiple-use mandate. Uh, The story's been causing headlines not only in Moab and Grand County, but in San Juan County as well, and frankly across the region. Um, It's created a lot of division at the federal level, um, and the Grand County Commission on Tuesday opted to send a letter of support for the rule, but only after 
after um, some pretty contentious uh, discussion, and it was ultimately a split vote, five to two, with commissioners Mike McCurdy and Bill Winfield um, in opposition of the letter. Yeah, this rule would... Uh, proponents argue would clarify FLIPMA, which was the 1976 um, kind of overarching mission document for the BLM by putting conservation, uh, specifying that conservation is a legitimate use alongside other uses such as recreation, grazing, mineral extraction, things like that. Um, opponents to this proposed rule say that it would enable the BLM to lock up federal lands uh, for conservation uses for long periods of time without proper public input. Um, and actually, you know, this kind of hits pretty close to home in some ways because Moab's representative, John Curtis, um, Uh, in the House actually sponsored a bill that would order the BLM to withdraw the rule, and it could not also implement any substantially similar rule. Uh, And that was actually favorably reported by the House Committee on Natural Resources on Wednesday. Um, So it is gaining some traction at the federal level. Wow. So why has this been gaining headlines across the region? Like, why is it um, important to this region? Yeah, I mean, public lands, um, as everybody knows, are huge here. Um, In, you know, Grand County specifically, of course, they are vital for our recreation and tourism economy. Of course, we also do have resource extraction and grazing here. The same is true in San Juan County. So any kind of large proposed change like this is is absolutely going to capture the attentions of of folks in this region. Um, And there's definitely a lot of disagreement about you know, whether this rule simply clarifies an existing mandate or whether it is a functionally different mandate than what the BLM already has. And that's really the big controversy is, is this actually going to change anything or is it just going to allow the BLM to do what it's already been trying to do just a little bit more easily? Is it like they have a new classification that they can use or is it that they would just have more power to use that classification? You know, I don't know. I would guess that it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's no like singular list of here's every use within the multiple use mandate. But I think there are specific regulatory frameworks that the agency needs in order to carry out actions that would promote those uses, which is like a very long winded explanation. But I mean, I know that, you know, what the BLM has said that this rule would help them do is direct local land managers, so local BLM managers to prioritize things like assessing the ecosystem health of BLM lands, um, prioritize conservation and preservation efforts, you know, uh, mitigation of of other activities to ensure that there is landscape health. Uh, One way that the BLM has said they could do this is through conservation leasing, which would be a time limited lease to outside organizations to conduct specific kind of mitigation or restoration work. That's also the center of a controversy, as some folks say it would totally lock up lands and impose de facto wilderness. Um, Others say that this is, you know, akin to other sorts of leases that already happen on public lands, like oil and gas leases. Um, And I know the BLM has also said that the rule would help them better identify areas of critical environmental concern, ACECs. Uh, In Moab, we have two of them pretty close by, one in Behind the Rocks and one in Mill Creek. And those are just areas that um, require special management for the conservation or preservation of um, natural resources or, or cultural or historic resources. So I think it's about giving the agency internal regulatory frameworks to enact things that they're kind of supposed to already do, but may have had some issues doing it. I see. So would this be beneficial for a place like Moab where there is a lot of tourism? Like if something was classified as a conservation zone, would it still be able to be used for tourism? Yeah, you know, it it really depends. I know that the letter that the county commission ultimately did decide to send to the BLM has argued that 
um, conservation activities would help Grand County's economy by maintaining healthy landscapes that people want to visit and recreate on. Um, Trisha Dean, the Grand County Commissioner who actually drafted the letter, said that, you know, if she lived in a different county in Utah where um, the the economy was more dependent on, say, oil or gas extraction or mineral extraction, she may not have written this letter. So from her her perspective, this uh, rule would absolutely be a boon to the local economy. Okay. What else happened this week in Moab? (laughs) Well, in non-government news, um, there's a new yoga class curated for first responders that's been founded by a new nonprofit called the Wellness Collective. So I was lucky enough to report on on that good news this week. Nice. Did you attend the yoga class? I attended the first bit of the yoga class, and then I recused myself not being a first responder myself. (laughs) Um, But there were folks there um, from Grand County Search and Rescue, somebody from the local police department. Um, uh, Instructor Brianne Davis said they've also had wildland firefighters and, and paramedics before, so all sorts of people. Nice. So do they try and tailor the class to um, first responders? Exactly. Yeah. The class goes through kind of breathing and mindfulness exercises before moving into the um, asana or kind of yoga pose um, part of the course. And it's kind of intended to help first responders deal with the chronic stress that they tend to encounter at their jobs, whether through, you know, tons of stressful situations or traumatic situations that can really sit with people for, for many years. Um, I, I spoke with Robert Sterry, who's a detective at the Moab Police Department, about his experience in, in years of law enforcement, largely up in Salt Lake City and just sort of the um, the trauma um, and chronic stress he's had to deal with and how yoga's helped him. So it's a very cool new offering and it's free too. Is it um, an ongoing class? Yeah, it'll be held monthly. Um, and the Wellness Collective is also, you know, they're, they're, overall mission is to provide kind of accessible and inclusive wellness, especially for underserved parts of the community. So they also have free classes for those involved in USARA or struggling with substance use disorder. They also have classes for folks at Sea Haven um, who might be dealing with domestic violence situations as well as other kind of donation-based offerings. So it's a very cool nonprofit as well. Cool. Where can people find more info about this class? Um, online at their website. It's uh, wellnesscollectivemoab.com. Okay, we you wanted to talk about taxes, mm-hmm. property taxes dropping potentially. What, what can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, the, the, I also know nothing about this. <laughs> reporting on taxes is always such a like labyrinthine topic. Uh, those who live in Grand County should see probably a drop in their Grand County property taxes this year, but businesses are going to see much higher property taxes, um, and that at least from Grand County. Um, that's because commercial properties in the county were the ones that were up for reassessment this past year, um, and they kind of skyrocketed in overall value valuations. Um, and I need to clarify, too, unfortunately, we do have an error in this story you know, we catch as many as we can, but they do slip through the cracks sometimes. So we reported in the physical paper that overall commercial property values increased by $500,000 this year. It was $500 million. So much higher than it might appear. Okay. So (laughs) residential property taxes could drop. Is that because commercial property tax the value went up and so their taxes are going up so everybody else's taxes are going down exactly um yeah the way taxes work here are pretty odd but you know the overall tax burden is not changing which is to say that grand county isn't seeking more money or getting more money or less money from the county it's just that you know whoever kind of happened to get reassessed in the last year they are being taxed on a higher kind of overall number so those people tend to shoulder more of the tax burden that year and because of the rotating five-year cycle that uh Utah assessments rely on, that burden should shift to a new kind of swath of county properties next year. So last year, if folks might remember, Moab City properties got reassessed, so they had much higher property taxes. And the year before that, 
it was Spanish Valley. Um, so, you know, businesses this year will be paying a lot more, but it should probably just be this year before they flatten out or potentially drop a little bit again. Interestingly enough, centrally assessed valuations dropped a whole lot this past year as well. Um, for those who don't know, centr centrally assessed properties tend to be kind of big infrastructure that cross county lines like pipelines um, or, you know, huge kind of mineral extraction projects or power lines, things like that. Um, and those dropped by a total of $78 million in value, at least for their Grand County portions. About $60 million of that was just due to a single pipeline, the Mid-America Pipeline. Um, that is going to be, that drop is going to be largely balanced out by the increase in value in commercial properties. So overall for, you know, other residents, there won't be a huge change because they kind of even out. Sophia Fisher, reporter at The Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Moab's free concert series is starting up again. Emily Arnson spoke with Allison Harford of the Moab Sun News about this summer's lineup. The Moab free concert series is back. This is kind of like has become this classic Moab event. It's in its sixth year. Um, and so there will be four free concerts throughout June, July and August. Nice. What's planned? So the first one will be on June 30th. Um, it'll kick off with Shamar Allen and the Underdogs. And they're kind of like a jazz hip hop group. Um, so all of their sound has like really cool jazz in the background and then Shamar Allen raps over it. Um, so it sounds really cool. And I talked to Cassie Paup, who is the director of the Friends of the Moab Folk Festival, which puts on both the Moab Folk Festival and the free concert series. And she said that Shamar has this huge reputation in the music community and he's collaborated and toured with a lot of famous people. So she's really excited for him to come by. Um, and all of the concerts will be opened with local openers. So Juniper Drive will open this one and Moabites will recognize them from, um, they play at the Backyard Theater every Thursday. So that'll be really fun. And then the next concert will be on July 21st in conjunction with Arts and Ag. Um, and that'll open with Marsha Blues and feature Nosotros, which is an 11 piece Latin music band. Cassie said, this band reminded her of a band last year whose concert was rained out. If anyone remembers going to that, it was this like huge, massive rainstorm that also spawned this really fun dance party, but um, did get cut short. And so this band will be really easy to dance to. They have like these long brass solos and easy and groovy beats. Um, and also there are 11 people. So it'll be one of the largest bands to ever grace the stages of the free concert series. Um, August 4th will be the Super Yambo Band, led by this singer who goes by Coletta, and they're from um, a country in West Africa, and so they have this, like, raw psychedelic sound um, that kind of harks back to, like, 1970s West African music. Um, and Cassie said she heard someone describe them saying, if you can't da get down to this band, then you don't have a pulse. Whoa. Yeah. And then um, the Fiery Furnace marching band will open for them. And then the series will round out with Pixie and the Party Grass Boys, which is a bluegrass band, super well-known around Moab, and also kind of like classic Moab sound. Everyone loves a bluegrass band around here. Um, and that'll be on August 18th, which is another Arts and Ag Day. So when I was talking to Cassie, she said they really wanted to pick bands that people can dance to. That's kind of like what the free concert series has become, is really this like big giant dance party fun yeah where are the concerts going to take place so they'll be at swanee park 
Um, and they'll usually go from 6 to 9 p.m. Fun. So they're totally free to attend, but then there will also be like a beer garden. KZMU will be there. Yeah. KZMU broadcast the concert series. <laughs> Pretty fun. <laughs> Pretty cool. All right. What else? What else is going on this week? Yeah. So I chatted with David Gessner. He's going to visit Moab on June 26th on tour with his new book called A Traveler's Guide to the End of the World. So I talked to Gessner about it. He's this award-winning author who often writes about nature um, and kind of writes about our region a lot. In 2020 and 2021, he was kind of traveling around a little bit and he visited Boulder, Colorado and um, Moab when like just after the Pack Creek fire. And in 2020, Boulder had this also horrible wildfire season where um, it was just inundated by smoke and you really couldn't even see the mountains from downtown Boulder. And then his own home in North Carolina was threatened by hurricanes. And so he said it was like the world was telling him something in terms of the subject matter of his next book. Um, And so he realized he did want to and really felt the need to write this book about climate change. Um, But he really wanted to avoid these juxtaposing and common tropes. And so the book instead is centered around his daughter, Hadley, who appears in the book as her 19-year-old self. She's a climate activist, um, and she's trying to decide where to go to college. And so throughout the book, Gessner asks... Like, what will the world be like when Hadley is grown up in 2064, when she's the same age that he was when um, he and his partner had her? So he uses a lot of, like, personal anecdotes and humor throughout the book, and it kind of weaves through all of these stories of um, him traveling. Like, he visited the home of Ken Slate in Moab right after Ken lost his personal archive to the Pack Creek fire. He asks local people and local scientists kind of what they're expecting for the future. Okay. And is he talking at the library? So he's going to come to Back of Beyond Books on Monday, June 26th at 7 p.m. Nice. Um, to read from this book. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So next week is the county fair. Yeah. Next Friday. Next Friday. Guys, county fair. It hasn't been here in like 20 years, right? Yes. 22 years. Wow. I'm yeah. so excited for the county fair. Tell us about the county fair. Yes. I'm also so excited. Also very excited is Angie Book, who is the director of the Old Spanish Trail Arena, who was really this like mastermind behind the event. She said she's super excited. There is a huge, huge, huge lineup of events. It'll go through four days, um, Friday, June 30th to Tuesday, July 4th. And there'll be a whole bunch of things. So we highlighted a couple little events that community members should definitely try to go to. So on Friday, June 30th, um, exhibits will be open in the arena. Um, Angie Book said they're having a baby contest. (laughs) So (laughs) there are a lot of entries because everyone's really excited to show off their baby. like cutest baby, strongest baby. You know, (laughs) I'm assuming hopefully it's not cutest baby. I know, that's awful. Maybe hurt some feelings. But I think it might, you know a little bit be cutest baby oh okay fastest baby right (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then there will be a roller derby at 6 p.m in the arena's pavilion which will be very exciting Mm -hmm. and then saturday july 1st we'll see the opening ceremony for the fair at 8 a.m with the grand county drill team performing Throughout the day, there will be a ton of things, like there will be a car and tractor show, um, a junior rodeo, a ton of things for kids, like carnival games and concessions and face painting and pony rides. Um, And then in the evening on Saturday, there will be dance lessons and then also live music performances. Fun. And then... 
the festivities will continue on to Sunday, July 2nd. Um, there will be a softball tournament throughout the day, a dog show from Underdog Animal Rescue and Rehab. That's so cute. Yes, very cute. Um, and also a countywide talent show, so anyone can enter into that. Um, there will be an exhibition of exotic reptiles and birds. What? Yes. So fun. <laughs> and the evening will finish out with karaoke on the grand stage and then more softball games. What a lineup. I know. And then Monday, softball tournament continues. So do um, exhibits inside the arena. And then at night, there will be a screening of Top Gun Maverick under the stars at 9 p.m. Um, and then the county fair will finish out on July 4th. So there will be an Independence Day parade, which is really exciting. Um, that'll The lineup will begin at 7 a.m. on Center Street, and it'll start at 9 a.m. And then after that, there will be a flag presentation by the Grand County Drill Team. And then uh, throughout the day, back at the Old Spanish Trail Arena, there will be a volleyball tournament, a cornhole tournament, um, the first annual Grand Family and Friends Games, um, which will be like tug of war and potato sack races. You can form your own teams. Angie wants everyone to get into costumes and have like family themed costumes, like group things. There will be an eating contest with mm. pie eating, hot dog <laughs> eating, or watermelon eating. And then the fair will close out at 4 p.m. with an announcement of all the contest winners and a raffle drawing. Allison Harford, reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes at our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU Community Powered Radio.